biology. 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 Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the HSC Biology Podcast. Today we are continuing to look at the structure and function of different parts of the body. And today we are going to be looking at visual disorders and the structure and function of the eye. And also taking a look at the technology that is used to overcome these disorders, including spectacles and laser surgery. So let's start off with the structure of the eye. Now, just like the ear from last week, it's probably easiest to go and follow the path that light takes through the eye to look at the different structures. Now, as I'm speaking, it will also be much easier to understand if you have a diagram of the eye. Um, and that's especially important when we go through the process of accommodation and the technology used to fix the disorders of the eye. So, yeah, using diagrams in this section of the uh, syllabus is very important. And I highly recommend you get used to drawing and using diagrams of the eye, ear and kidney. Alright, so light starts off by going through our cornea, which is the very front part of our eye. Now the cornea has two main roles, it's used for protection, but it's also the first site of refraction. Now refraction is something that you would have seen if you've looked into a glass of water and you've seen your straw go from a straight straw to a bent straw, just because of the properties that light has as it passes through different mediums. And so you see this phenomenon in a number of places, uh, usually a liquid or a transparent material. And so the cornea, uh, light is able to pass through it. And as it is made from a different material to the air and to liquids, uh, it will change the direction of light just slightly. So we call this the first site of refraction in the eye, and that's the second role of the cornea. Now, once it goes through the cornea, it's going to get to our aqueous humor. Now, our aqueous humor is the first liquid part of the eye, and it fills up the front section of your eye from your cornea to your lens. Now, that aqueous fluid is once again a refractive medium, so the light will change direction slightly in that medium. As we keep following the line, we will get to our pupil and iris. Now, the iris is the colored part of the eye, and the pupil is the hole in the middle. Now, I remember when I was younger, I used to think that the black hole was actually a black thing, um, but it's in fact just a hole through to the back of your eye, and that is how light gets through. Now, the iris's job is to control the amount of light that comes in, and you would notice this when you walk outside on a very bright day. You kind of cover your face and your eyes, and you kind of squint a little bit. You're trying to stop as much light getting in, and that's the role of the iris. It will basically converge a little bit and shrink down um, so that not as much light can get through the iris. If you walk into a dark room, it will do the opposite. The iris will open right up and let as much light in as possible. One cool video if you want to check it out to show your students would be the video of the tribe in, I think it's the Philippines, that can control their iris uh, shape. So they actually uh, go underwater, they dive underwater, and the reason that we see a blurry image when we dive underwater is actually because your iris thinks that you're going into a dark room. So the iris opens right up underwater, and you see everything blurry because the light's coming in from all directions, and that's not what you want. So um, the tribe, uh, basically, the tribe members are able to shrink their iris or constrict their iris to a single small point, 
and that lets the minimum amount of light through so it will be relatively dark for them but will also be very clear for them as well which is pretty amazing so I'll link that video on the Facebook page if you want to check it out so the iris's role is to control the amount of light coming in or out and the pupil is simply the hole in the middle now next we have quite a few different parts but the next uh, refractive medium is the lens and the lens is probably the uh, most important refractive medium that we have in the eye because it can change shape and we'll go through that when we talk about accommodation but that's our third refractive medium so we've gone through the cornea aqueous humor and now the lens and so light will change as it passes through each of those now the lens itself is attached to two main things um, and that is the suspensory ligaments and these are like uh, tiny little strings that attach to either side of the lens and they're able to pull on that lens um, and basically change its shape slightly. The suspensory ligaments are attached to a ciliary body and a ciliary body in the eye is just like a muscle and I always use the example just like your bicep when you raise your arm your bicep bulges the ciliary body can do the same thing so it can also bulge and it can also flatten out okay um, and that's two things two functions that we're going to learn about when we talk about accommodation as we keep following the light it's going to go through the largest chamber in the eye and that is the vitreous humor in the vitreous chamber and the vitreous humor is once again another liquid and light is going to pass through that to get to the back of the eye now as that light gets to the very back of the eye it's going to hit the retina and the retina is probably the most important part of the eye because that's where we're going to be collecting all of that light and converting it into something that we can interpret and understand so the retina is made up of two different types of photoreceptors we have rods and we have cones in humans there's about 125 million rod cells and the rod cells sit around the extremities of the retina so they're pretty much filling up the majority of space in the retina now their role is to really collect the uh, light intensity or whether it's light or dark so they're just taking in uh, very basic information on the intensity of the light now more importantly we have about six or seven million cone cells now they're situated at the very back of the eye right in the center of something that we call the fovea now the whole idea of the eye is to really focus the light onto the fovea and that is because those cones collect the color and I always remember the C's go together the color collecting cones they're going to be giving you the most information from your environment because they are the most uh, sensitive photoreceptors now inside these photoreceptors they have different types of chemicals in rods they have something called rhodopsin and that basically is just to detect that light rhodopsin is mostly used when it is dark and so if you ever walked into a dark room you'll notice that it's very hard to determine or make out colors and that's because it's your rods that are mainly being activated and they're just determining structures and shapes and that light coming in now the cones have something called iodopsins and there are three different types of iodopsins we have red green and blue and these three colors when used together can overlap to create the full spectrum of colors that we see um, so this works similar to how your TV does it as well uh, but yeah so we have three three iodopsins red green and blue and they give us the range of colors that we see now as that light has hit the back of the eye and then it's hit the photoreceptors that's going to set off an electrochemical signal and send a nerve impulse off down the optic nerve to the brain now the optic nerve actually goes 
obviously from both eyes, but it goes directly through the back of the head. Um, and it actually crosses over at something called the optic chiasma uh, in the middle of your brain. Uh, and then it actually goes to the opposite side at the very back of your brain at the occipital lobe uh, to be converted into something that, that we can understand. So, uh, yeah, pretty uh, complex and maybe unnecessary path for that light to take through our brains to get to the other side. Uh, but that's just how it's gone. Now the other parts of the eye that are important to know include the sclera, which is really the outer part of the eye, and that's really creating that protective coat. And the next part underneath that, in between the retina and the sclera, is the choroid. And then the choroid contains a lot of the blood vessels that will provide nutrients uh, to the eye. It's also got a special black layer that basically protects or stops that light from escaping so that you can collect as much of that light as possible. Now, the last part of the eye that I'll mention as well is called the blind spot. Now, because of the way that the eye is structured, we have an area that basically uh, doesn't have any rods or cones, and that's because that's where the nerves all connect and go off to the brain. Now, that blind spot is actually incredible because your brain right now is actually filling in that space so that you can actually see a perfectly clear image everywhere. Now, how to prove that you have this blind spot is probably one of my favorite things to do in the classroom. And so what I'll get kids to do is using a whiteboard or a, uh, or a piece of paper, they put a circle on, the, uh, on one side of the paper and then about 14 centimeters on the other side, they put an X. Um, and what you get them to do is then stare at the circle with one eye closed. So if they're looking at it with their right eye, they'll shut their left eye and hold the paper slightly to the right. And then they'll look at that dot and then they'll start to move the paper further away and closer and eventually they'll get to a point where you no longer see that X and it's a really awesome experiment to show you how powerful your brain is at filling in those spaces so right now you have basically two tubes coming out of your eye where you actually can't see anything on the left and right and that is being filled in by your brain it's making up all the remaining parts to fill in those blanks so you don't see it but if a ball does fly in <laughs> at that blind spot, uh, you actually probably won't see it until it's too late. And so that can happen and, and it is unfortunate when that happens. But yeah, you do have those blind spots. So a good fun activity to do in the classroom. So they're the main structures of the eye. And now we're going to talk about how that light actually gets to where it needs to go uh, through the function of the eye. Now this process, as I mentioned before, is called accommodation. So when we're looking at things in life, we either look at things that are close up or far away or somewhere in between, our eye needs to accommodate that change by changing the shape of the eye in some way. And the way that it's going to do that is going to be changing the lens thickness, okay? So the lens itself in your eye, as we spoke about before, is what we call biconvex. So it's uh, bulged on either side. And you might have heard me mention before that the ciliary body and the suspensory ligaments, their role is to change the shape of that lens. So when you look at an object that is really far away, what's going to happen is your ciliary body is actually going to flatten or relax. Now, when that happens, it's going to pull on those suspensory ligaments and that's going to pull on the edge of your lens and cause it to thin out. 
Now, that thinning is basically going to mean that light doesn't need to change too much as it goes through your eye. And because light is coming from a distance, we say that it's coming in parallel lines. And because it's coming in parallel lines, you don't need to do much to converge that light to the back of the eye. So as light goes through the cornea, through the aqueous humor, and through the lens that has been flattened, it will then bend slightly so that the focal point hits right on that fovea at the back of the eye, and that is for distant objects. Now, when we're looking at close-up objects, what's going to happen is your ciliary muscle is actually going to contract a bit. Now, when it's contracting, that's going to loosen those suspensory ligaments. So, I think about this like your bicep. When you flex your bicep, it bulges together. Just like in your eye, your ciliary muscle will bulge. Now, because it's attached to those ligaments, those suspensory ligaments, they will loosen. So just like a, uh, a guitar, when you undo the strings, they're nice and loose. The same thing will happen with those suspensory ligaments. Now, what the lens will do is it will actually converge back to its original shape and it likes to be a bit more fatter, a bit more wider, and it will basically bulge out more. Now, when it's bulged more, it means that it can bend light at a greater angle or it can refract that light at a more concentrated angle. So the light coming in is gonna hit that lens, which is now bulge, and it's gonna curve more. Now, why would you need that? Well, when you look at something up close, the light is no longer coming in parallel lines. It's coming in from a convergent point, and basically it's diverging out. So the rays are actually gonna be going further out from where they were before, and that means you need to do more work to bend them to get to the back of your eye. And so your lens will be thicker, and that will cause that light to bend more so that it hits the fovea at the back of your eye. So just a quick recap of that. When you look at a distant object, the light is going to come in from parallel rays, which means you don't have to do too much work. The ciliary body will flatten. That will pull on those suspensory ligaments, cause the lens to be nice and thin and flat, and that will cause the light to then bend to the back of the eye at the fovea. When you're looking at an object up close, the light rays are going to be diverging, so going outwards. This means the ciliary body will need to be bulged, the suspensory ligaments will be nice and loose, and the lens will also be bulged. This will cause the light to be bent more, so that it can once again hit the back of the eye at the fovea. Alright, with all that information, we can now start to go through the disorders of the eye. Now, the two most common ones you would have heard of are myopia and hyperopia. Myopia is something where you are short-sighted, which means you can see up close, you have short sight, but you can't see far away very well. So this is something that I have, and I always remember it because it's myopia, uh, it's because I have it. The other one, hyperopia, is where you are long-sighted, so you can see far away, but you have trouble seeing up close. Now, the main causes of these disorders are really about where you're focusing that light. So in myopia, the problem is actually that you're not focusing the light on the fovea at the back of the eye. It's actually coming up a little bit short in the eye. So this is where diagrams really help out. So imagine that light coming in through the aqueous humor, through the lens and the vitreous humor, and it's coming up just a bit short, just in front of that fovea. Now, what that's going to do is it's going to create some blurriness in your eye, and that's exactly what you're going to see. And so there's a number of causes for myopia. 
The first one being the shape of your eyeball might be too elongated. So you might have a, a longer eye than your eye uh, has the ability to refract that light. The refractive power of your cornea may also be inadequate. So you have the cornea at the front of your eye and its role is to really start to bend that light, but its shape is very important. And if it's not the right shape, it can't refract that light enough. And the last cause might be that the lens itself is too powerful, it's bending that light too much, or the ciliary body and suspensory ligaments can't work well together in order to flatten that enough to bend the light to that fovea at the back of the eye. So there's three causes for myopia. Now in hyperopia, it's going to be almost the exact same, but the opposite. So when the light comes into the eye, instead of coming up too short, it's actually gonna to go too far and go beyond where it needs to go. And once again, this can be caused by a number of different factors. The eyeball itself could be too small or too short, so that light can't be bent to the back of the eye. The lens might be too flat as well. It might not be able to be uh, bending that light enough to get to the back of the eye, so the lens can't bulge enough. And the cornea can once again be responsible. The shape of that cornea is maybe not powerful enough to bend that light to get it to go to the back of the eye. So there's three causes there. And really, they're just interchangeable. Make sure you just know the difference between myopia coming up short and hyperopia going too far in the eye. Now, I do like to mention one more disorder, even though we really have two good examples there, and that is cataracts. And cataracts is something where the lens, the part of the eye we've been talking about a lot today, it basically clouds up. Now, what's happening is the proteins in and fibers inside that lens are beginning to break down, and that uh, causes that cloudiness or the haziness. Now, you might have seen this in some animals as well, and it really makes someone you know, look particularly blind when they see it. But what's actually happening is the light can't get through to the back of their eye, and so they're unable to see clearly. Now, this mainly is associated with aging or potentially injury that can lead to these vision problems. But the good news is it's something that can be fixed with technology. So let's talk about those technologies now to fix the disorders we have just mentioned. So with myopia and hyperopia, we have two main forms of technology that I'll mention today. The first is spectacles and the second is laser eye surgery. So as I said before, the problem with myopia and hyperopia is that the light is bending and hitting the wrong part of the eye. It's either too short or too long. And so what we need to do is we need to put something at the front of the eye that's going to change it slightly before it comes in. And that is the exact role of spectacles. The use of glasses is basically putting a glass lens in front of your eye so that the light is coming in at the right angle so that when it hits your eye, it's actually bending to the correct place at the back of your eye. And so with spectacles, we have two main types of lenses that we place into the glasses. The first is when we want to fix myopia. We use a concave, and sometimes it's called biconcave as well, so just be aware I'll probably use them interchangeably. Uh, but yeah, a biconcave lens. Concave lens is sort of shaped inward. It curves in into the middle. I always think about it like a cave curves in, so too does a concave lens or biconcave lens. Now that's used to fix someone with myopia. Now why is that used to fix myopia? Well, a concave lens, when light hits a concave lens, it will actually diverge or go outwards a little bit. Now, what that means is when it's hitting your cornea at the front of your eye, it's slightly further out than it was before. 
And if we trace that path of light, from before we knew that it was going to hit a bit too short. But now it's coming in just a little bit wider than before. And it's going to be bent again and bent again to get to the back of the eye. And so that concave lens slightly changes the angle of the light coming in. So that when it does hit your cornea, it's slightly further out. So that when that bending takes place, it's going to finally bend it all back down to get to that fovea at the back of the eye in the correct place. And so that's a concave lens or biconcave lens in spectacles. Now, once again, in hyperopia, it's the exact opposite. We've just talked about the problem with hyperopia being that the image is too far past the eyeball. So what are we going to put in front of the eyeball? We're going to put a biconvex lens. So this is very similar to the lens in the eye already. Now, that lens is going to cause the light to angle in a bit more or converge a bit more. Now, as we said before, the light coming in, if it converges a bit more, it's going to hit the cornea a bit further in. That means your eye is not going to have to do as much work to bend that light. And so it's once again going to bend through all of your refractive medium to that fovea at the back of the eye. So with myopia, you want to use a concave lens, which bends the light outward slightly so that it can once again hit the fovea at the back of the eye. And with hyperopia, we want to use a convex lens or biconvex lens so that it bends in slightly before it hits the eye. And once again, can be bent by all the refractive medium in the eye to get to that fovea at the back of the eye. All right. Now, I hope that wasn't too confusing. It certainly is easier teaching this with a diagram. Maybe a YouTube channel is on the cards in the future. Let's now take a look at laser eye surgery, which aims to do the same basic function as spectacles. With laser eye surgery, we're either going to be fixing myopia or hyperopia once again. And the way that this is done is by reshaping the cornea. So we've talked a lot about the cornea being at the front of your eye and the first site of refraction. It can be reshaped using a laser to be either more convex or more concave. And so we've just learnt which lens to use for which appropriate condition. And in laser eye surgery, basically they apply an anaesthetic to the eye. They uh, section off a small part of the cornea um, and they basically peel back the top layer or, the, or a flap is created. They then use a very precise laser to reshape that cornea to either be more concave if you have myopia or more convex if you have hyperopia, doing the same thing as the glasses before. Once the lens has been reshaped by the laser, the flap will be placed back onto the eye and it will be given time to heal on its own, which I think is quite amazing. Now, the new shape of that cornea, either more concave or more convex, will cause that light to bend to the back of the eye once again and hit the fovea at the correct point. And so laser eye surgery is basically creating a biological version of the spectacles to reshape your eye so the light bends to the correct position. Now this sometimes gets called LASIK eye surgery, L-A-S-I-K, so just be aware that might come up, but the principles are the same here. Myopia, concave lens. Hyperopia, convex lens. Simple. All right, the last piece of technology we'll talk about is the one used to fix cataracts, and cataracts is the clouding of that lens. And it gets a couple of different names. Sometimes you hear it called uh, FACO emulsification uh, or sometimes intraocular lens implantation. Uh, feel free to use whichever one you remember better. They're both not great. <clears throat> 
Now, the way that this happens is the initial cloudy lens needs to be removed. And it's currently sitting in what we call a lens capsule. So it's, you know, supported by an external structure. And that lens capsule is connected to those uh, suspensory ligaments we talked about before. Now, what they'll do is they'll actually make a very small incision in the eye and they uh, put in a, a probe that delivers a very high frequency sound and that breaks up that old cloudy lens. They then actually suction out the old broken up lens uh, and you're left with basically just that lens capsule, a, a hole where the lens once was. Now, the intraocular lens is going to go into that space. And that intraocular lens is basically a uh, plastic manufactured version that fits correctly into the space. And it will do the same job as your lens. And sitting in that lens capsule, it will actually have the same ability to be pulled and uh, uh, squashed together using those suspensory ligaments to uh, for the process of accommodation. So the insertion of that intraocular lens will now uh, allow light to pass through uh, clearly to the back of the eye so there's no longer clouding and so that's the intraocular lens implantation surgery which is pretty cool uh, way of fixing cataracts all right i hope you guys enjoyed today's episode um, and as always make sure you check out stem reactor at stemreactor.com.au if you want any biotechnology stuff in your school and if you'd like to support the show you can always buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com.au slash hsc biology pod see you next time